Alright, because three is a crowd, I'm here today for the first time in the auxiliary recording space. Space. Yeah. Heretofore known as Ox. Alright, Kelly, if you didn't know, in the Ox, as well as in the bunker and the apartment, this is a Bob Dylan podcast. We listen I know it's weird. We listen to a Bob Dylan song that we choose at random every episode. At the end of this episode, we will choose another random Bob Dylan song. And then we spend a week with it. We listen to it. We hang out with it. We look at it. We prod it. And then we look at it some more. I guess we're talking about putting it on tables. That was weird. Yeah, that was weird. Whack-a-mole. I don't know what's up with that. Anyways, we just sit with it in our lives. And then at the end of the week, we get together and talk about it. I have been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the most famous clan. As the most famous class of steam locomotive used in New South Wales. And this week, we listened to Everything is Broken from 1989's... Is it steam class? It would be the, the, the number 38 class. Uh, this is episode 38. Oh my god. It's like I've never... Everything is broken. Broken lines. Broken strings. All right, Kelly, so we spent this week with 1989's Oh Mercy. We also listened to uh, an alternate version of that from, it came out in 2008 on uh, Telltale Signs, the Bootleg Series Volume 8. What are your initial thoughts before we get into the song? It's fine. I would say it's middling. It's catchy. Super catchy. Um, would you say it's the catchiest Bob Dylan song we've had? No. It made me think Okay. Well, <laughs> no, no. It, uh... It made me think of I Want to Be Your Lover for some reason. Okay, see, that's that would be up there with my catchiest yeah. Dylan song. So, fair, I guess. Yeah. What if I told you this was a song that came right before Ring Them Bells? We remember Ring Them Bells. What? I know. So this song leads into Ring Them Bells. Oh, Mercy must be a ride. Oh, Mercy's quite a ride. Yeah. <laughs> and before we even get into it, which version did you like better? They are so similar that I don't care. They're, but I they're have also no opinion. they are also. Well, I guess lyrically, yeah. Sorry. Well, but lyrically, musically, they're they're almost the same. Well, there's two very important differences. One has harmonica and one doesn't. That's an enormous difference in this podcast. It's true, uh, and the other one really had, focuses on tremolo sounds. Yeah. Um, the Omercy version is like the tremolo guitar. Some bongo up in very there. cool. That's true. Uh, and the other version is more like the guitar's a little subdued. It has more reverb. There's a little tremolo in it. But. Well, I think it kind of gets back to, oh, if we think about Ring Them Bells, too, it's instructive because we listened to an all-piano version that did, before it had the overdubs of sound. And so that Oh Mercy one um, is is the one that gets all that extra sound. You mm-hmm. know, it's Bob overdubbing Daniel Lanois, overdubbing. They recorded that that version that we listened to. He recorded another version, which is the version we hear, only this time Bob got his, you know, Telecaster out and was putting some more sounds on it. Yeah. They were also putting the bongos on it. They were putting the harmonica solo. If if Telltale Signs had the harmonica solo, that would be my absolute favorite of mm-hmm. all time. But after listening to Oh Mercy like a million times and really starting the record, if I was listening to the full thing, I would usually start right there with Everything Is Broken because it's like a great intro. And then Ring the Bells is one of my favorite songs. 
that is so canon to me that I almost, when I hear telltale signs, I'm like waiting for the bongos and I'm waiting for the harmonica and you're like, oh, this would really have used a harmonica. It would have been great. Yeah. So I guess I like the Mercy one better, Better, but I I don't like have a strong opinion. Yeah, that's fair. And we'll get more into it. So uh, contextually, before we even start, let's just go over that really quick. March 14th, 1989. uh, That's when this was recorded. It was originally called Broken Days. So the one we listened to. It's called Everything is Broken, but really it should, probably should have been called Broken Days because that's what it was called. And then the one on No Mercy was recorded on April 3rd, so basically about three weeks later. He was going to throw out the song, but he told Daniel Lanois that he wanted to, quote, cut it one style with plenty with plenty of tremolo. <laughs> yeah. He was just feeling it. Uh, and after cutting it uh, with a full band on the floor, Dylan said, quote, he thought the song did just what it had to do. He wouldn't have to seriously change a thing about it. It was already swamped up pretty good. Okay. I think he was looking for that swampy sound. And I think that the... sound a little boggy? Yeah, but I think that the Telltale Signs is more swampy than what we got with the bongos and the tremolo. I think that's not swampy. Hmm. But who knows what's swampy. I don't know. The, that, like, that tremolo, wah, 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 does make me feel a little Louisiana. It's got a little bit but of... But I think the other one makes me feel even more Louisiana. <laughs> We're going to have to fight about this. Uh, and then after that, he started redoing his vocals, uh, and he apparently seemed unable to stop himself. In Chronicles, of all the things that we end up talking about, one of them was New Morning that we talked about before when we talked about If Dogs Were in Free. Like, who wants to know about that song? Well, pick up Chronicles. The other album that he significantly spends time on is Oh Mercy. So we learn a lot about uh, his um, inner thoughts of this as well. But his engineer, Malcolm Byrne, was... They were talking about the record years later, and he said, quote, The only thing that made any real difference to him was whether what he was saying was in place. Quite often, he would rewrite even one line. Even when we were mixing the full record, I'd be in the middle of a mix, and he'd suddenly say, You know what? I've just rewritten, rewritten that line. Can I re-sing it? So I'd be cutting out one line of a mix and editing the new one to accommodate the rewrite. Wow. That sounds and tedious. That sounds tedious. And that's like Bob, who doesn't like the studio sort of leaning into a studio self, that's his studio self. Like, really pedantic and ridiculous. And it suffers. Like, everything suffers because Bob isn't just cutting Because, like, it. that one line, take that one line and put it in that song. Yeah, and he sort of, like, forgets at these moments. He always leans back on, like, I'm a performer first. I'm a studio technician second. So when I go into something, when I go into the studio, I'm going to rip whatever version exists. I'm going to live with it. I mean, he was able to do that for... His, the first 25 years of his life and then he got consumed with trying to make something perfect and it's really you go in there you create a time capsule and then you change it live that's what Bob Dylan is probably as known for as anything else his, his ability to move his sound all of his songs craft them in a different way I mean you can listen to 20 versions of a song and they'd be completely different so I think when, when Bob accepts that and he certainly accepted it early he certainly accepts it now you have the best of Bob Dylan. But in the 1980s, you have Bob Dylan who just can't get out of, like, the idea of making something, like, good. Because mm. nothing he was doing was even, like, half good. It's been played 284 times total. The last time he played it actually was 2003. Mm. So he hasn't touched it in a, in a very long time. And someone on the internet, I just want to shout out someone on the internet really quick. <laughs> Rando internet person. Rando internet person. I just found it really funny. I don't know why, but I laughed out loud. He said that this song, were, to him, is, quote... It's a cool song. It makes me want to put on some dark shades and stand on a street corner with a flask and cigarettes. Appropriate harmonica solo. Yeah. Appropriate. I, mean, I love the use of appropriate. Appropriate harmonica solo. <laughs> I, I, I think of that as you, just sitting there and saying, 
Yeah, harmonica needed to be here, and there you go. Yeah. This is appropriate. Agreed. Yeah. It is appropriate. And Telltale Signs is inappropriate for not having the guitar, the harmonica solo. But I have, I feel a kinship with Rando Internet Person, oh, yeah. because I have a similar image when I hear this song, it just like see somebody with their hands like a leather coat kind of like sh- their hands shoved in their pockets and they maybe have a cigarette and like sunglasses just like well, strolling down playlist, the street on our playlist what, what's the song called chick oh chick habit by april march yeah like the baseline is the exact same and so yeah. as, her, as soon as i started listening to this song i was like hang up the, oh this is not that song <laughs> what's <laughs> going amazing. on yeah yeah so that song makes me happen. think of putting some sunglasses on same vibe yeah hang up the chick Yeah, it's a great song. Well, yeah. Obviously, you've got a stellar bass line. You can write anything around it. Yeah. Clearly. I just want to say, our playlist was good this week. It was like a trip down memory lane. It was definitely it was. a blast from the past. Yeah. We got like Radiohead, Coheed and Cambria, which I haven't listened to in forever. Yeah. And just like Interpol is another one that like I haven't listened to in a million years. There's also a song on there that I was like, I've heard this song before, but I had never heard it. Yeah, Phoenix. Sorry. Um, Bisquick, uh, yeah. uh, who I guess is a DJ that ever... It's a Drake song. He took... I was like, I know the words to the song. Why do Because I've never heard this song. Why do I know the words to the song? He slowed down the entirety of the Drake song, uh, Gone, I think, or Over. And it's... I, like, how do you get away with that? It's the entire song. It sounds great, though. So speaking of Chick Habit and Bob Dylan having this... that is, Listen to the Bisquick song. That's yeah. That's great. I thought that was fun. Literally, if your song had everything is, you were automatically on it. And everything, just having the word everything was enough. Yeah, it, it, even for me, like, uh, as somebody who didn't really listen to Interpol, Phoenix, Descendants uh, were big for me. That Motion City soundtrack, That's what Everything it was. is All Right. That's the one. Jesus, I that was a, a huge years. song, yeah. That, I, I never really listened to them, but uh, they recently broke up, maybe two or three years ago, and I, I re-listened to the, their entire thing, and it was pretty good. Yeah, the Radiohead stuff was really cool. Oh, nice, Everything is Everything. Holy shit. How did that not even come up? I know. I can't Hill, believe. Today. Yeah, that never even. I mean, I guess I didn't peruse everything. I put everything is, and then everything. One of the, from the it. playlists I saw that you had. But two everything songs. is everything. I know you had already had two songs on there called "Everything Is Everything," and I was like, "Where's Lauren Hill?" Because as soon as I read that, I was like, "Everything is." Oh, it's not on. There. Oh my god! Everything is not on the playlist. <laughs> my Spotify fucking hates me. Apparently, that's crazy. I can't even can't vouch for that. Uh, yes, and then some some punk and a lot of speed shows up. Taylor Swift. Oh yeah, that was that I, was hard to listen to. That what I, what an yeah. unappealing song. Lot lot of speed song is fucking sad. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that was a. Is that a real story? Like, does he? The, well, yeah. Wildlife came out in 2011. It's like a compilation of stories that topple onto one another. But so. not him. No, no, no. Oh, it's okay. all yeah. It's like a bunch of. It's basically like a, a vignette of like a town. So he's okay. sort of driving through town and seeing all this stuff. We should have ended with with Lauren Hill. Or everything is awesome. Because or everything is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't realize Ticket and Sarah did that. That's yeah. amazing. Right? They get in there, man. And Lonely Island. Yeah. Weird. Weird. What a weird world. All right, Kelly. So let's. I mean, since we're on this, the subject, let's talk about the song itself. Broken lives hanging by a thread. Broken bones in a broken bed. 
So yeah, if we want to like talk about the song quick, um, as we've said, I mean, I both versions to me are are dope. I really like both of these songs. I think the idea is pretty simple. I don't think there's a whole lot to the song, except lyrically, both of them diverge greatly. But at the end of the day, they're both about the world is broken, and they're. I think one of them is incredibly personal, the Telltale Signs one, the Bootleg Series one, and then one is way more like societal you know yeah. looking at like object heavy talking about literal things and then sort of extrapolating out whereas i think telltale signs is like the, kind of the opposite of it where you're sort of embroiled in this relationship you don't realize you are but then all of the bridge parts that sort of like hammer home everything on the oh mercy version are really great but kind of highlight that it's a societal thing whereas the bridge parts in telltale signs are really personal like where he's talking about, you know, I sent you roses once from a heart that was truly grieved. Sent you sent you roses someone else must have received. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no. And then even, I love the line that, you know, seen James, James Dean in a picture once coming in from the cold. I said, geez, I hope I look that good when I get old. And the way he sings it, and the way the, the song rolls over it, it's like, oh, I really love that shit. I think those, the bridges in Telltale Signs are better than Oh Mercy's ones. So but, you like that it's more personal? I like that it's more personal. I think that it makes it it makes it heftier in my opinion but then what you need after that is a is the lone piano version of ring them bells so i think that it works on oh mercy because they're both a little bit different song wise but ring them bells is exactly the same as it is so when you're creating a societal thing then ring them bells works because it's like society is completely broken ring them bells then has that the apocalyptic tone of 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 everything is broken goes right into what you can perceive as the apocalypse of you know ring them bells which is you know, god's coming or the world's ending ring those bells or something's happened ring those bells or the world's changing everything is broken ring the bells the world's about to get better you know whatever whatever you we made a huge point in, in ring them bells to to make that point which is this song is really about how you see the world how you do you think that people can change the world or if it's God who's changing the world? Like really, whatever your proclivities are, that's what you bring to it. And I think, oh, mercy too. It's what you bring to it. So, And that might be why I like the other one better. I like it better that it's broader. broader. And it was fun. Like it, sometimes it was really insular that I was talking. It felt like it was talking about a specific moment, but then it would get bigger. And I, again, with this, this image, I have this character kind of walking around at like a slummy part of a town maybe starting even in an apartment like we start small and then we start walking down the street well, i said when he was streets are filled with broken friends i was like i think of vd alley vd <laughs> avenue <laughs> gonorrhea Ave. yeah i mean it's that's what i think of <laughs> so yeah so you've got bob walking on in vd alley mm-hmm. down Sift street but for me it's important that the narrator i feel like is not judgmental i don't think they're upset i think they're completely apathetic yeah like they just it's just happening it's an observation not a, like a comment yeah. it's just like here's all this shit like oh yeah there's that where that broken plate is oh yeah that's where the fucking 
broken bones are. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that's even. I think that speaks even louder when you sort of take some of the things that were changed. Um, the very beginning of the Telltale Signs version, he begins with what I think is one of the best lines of the whole thing when he says, "Broken treaties, broken vows, broken hands on broken plows." That pretty much sums up. Like that's like a mission statement. Like mm-hmm. everything truly is broken. Like we've lost the ability to like interact as humans. That like, one speaks over. most broadly of like society. And it does, and so that's why I think leaving that for the final verse in O Mercy makes a lot of sense and kind of because we're getting bigger and, bigger and inverting it. Yeah, it's interesting. The the versions aren't so much different as they are rearranged. Like yeah. the little bridge parts are definitely different. Um, but it, it's it's at its core the same. It's just. It's funny how much it can change using the same words, just rearranging them. Like, it has a different flavor. Yeah, and I think the impersonalness, that's what I was thinking. The impersonalness is a great observation because it is really funny where – because even in the lines I just read about the roses, it's just like, oh, I guess somebody else picked up those roses. Like, it's really just kind of an off – like, just brush it off. And then even the line about the James Dean picture, like, that has nothing to kind of do with all the broken around him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's wise. Maybe that's the meta commentary. It's like, don't be this person that's walking through life. Be a part of it. Do something. Try to affect change and not just observe the shitty things. It's fair. I mean, even (laughs) at the end, I think the end of... So if we we take the ends, like, we're sort of... The the end verses for Telltale Science, it's broken plants on a broken floor. Broken key for a broken door. I mean, these are great. Uh, Broken idols, broken heroes, broken numbers adding up to zeros. I will never understand hound dogs howling, bullfrogs croaking. I don't. <laughs> it was important enough to keep it in both, though. I just, I, I, I have a, a line coming off of it with a sad face. <laughs> you do. I, I, I can't do it. Oh, I put it on both of them because it needs to be clear. I don't understand it. I wish that was something different because every time I've ever sung it in my life, I just, part of me just like shakes their head. Just like, I don't get it. I don't understand the bulldog thing, but the, the hound dog. Yeah. Bulldog. Bullfrog. Yeah. Hound dog. Uh, I thought of Seven Curses. Yeah. And I was like, maybe we're alluding to that kind of imagery. I think it is, too. I think it's more biblical, too. Because I mean, okay. like, bullfrogs, locusts. Like, I'm sure there were frogs being sent down. Who knows? <laughs> so I, I get that, but I still, like, I don't know. It just didn't really need to be in there. But it is interesting, the things that are shared between them. As we said, the treaties, vows, uh, broken hands and broken plows. Of course, the broken idols, which we saved to the last on Telltale Signs, is part of the first verse of O Mercy's. Uh, broken idols, broken heads, people sleeping in broken beds. I noted there that he says, you know, people sleeping in broken beds. Like he is observing. In Telltale Signs is not him. There's no eye anywhere to be seen, but broken lives hanging by a thread, broken bones in a broken bed, broken mirror, broken chair, broken roads going nowhere. That seems very personal to me. It seems like he's the broken bones on a broken bed, whereas he's sort of looking at people and saying, you know, those are people sleeping in broken beds. I think Telltale Signs is more evocative. I think the lines are longer. There's not as many broken things, but the lines that create the brokenness really speak more volumes about how broken the narrator is over sort of... I think all the broken lines, broken strings, broken threads, broken springs, broken plates, gates, switches, bottles, cutters, buckles, saws, laws, bodies, you know, that's, you're adding up, you know, you're taking a tally and that's what society kind of does to you, I guess. Well, it's more like this is happening versus this is happening to me or this is happening to me. That's a fair point.
Speaking of broken things. <laughs> or broken things in general. There's a lot of broken things in this. I have a couple fun facts. And when I say a couple, I mean two. Do you know who holds the world record for the most broken bones? But you can't guess. I do, but I won't say. Oh. Well, that's nice of you. Evil Knievel! Can you believe it? 433 fractures of 35 different bones. From 150 ramp-to-ramp motorcycle jumps. or th- Which resulted in crashing or having major mishaps 18 of those 150 times. So wow. Nice. Yeah. And after he well, retired like, in 77, I think, like he made his last jump in 77, right. in his own personal life, just totter, like teetering around, he managed to break more bones. He like broke his ribs trying to get out of his jacuzzi and like broke his ankle doing something else really innocuous, just yeah. tootling around in his life. But I guess once you're like, he's like glass man, right? Oh God, I bet. Did you see that the M. Night Shyamalan movie? What was it called? Unbreakable. Oh, where the yeah, guy yeah, in yeah. it who's like had the—that's a real Jackson, thing. Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah they have like glass bones where it's oh, really yeah, yeah. fragile. Yeah, it's like bird bones. Bird bones are hollow. Anyway, oh, so no. yeah, evil can evil. And he, at the end of his life, had a pump attached to his body that just consistently put morphine and painkillers into his body. And like he didn't die till he was really old with a fucking like pain I mean, patch circulating dope. his body. He died of like heart something or other, but yeah, can I bet. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't know you could do that. Like, I just have just a pump have. in my body that just shoots drugs into me every once in a while because I am so fucked up. Yeah. Also, on the cover of my booklet, Chuck yeah. Yeager. Chuck yeah. Yeager was the first person confirmed to have exceeded the speed of sound in level flight in 1940, 1947. So there you go. There's my two fun facts. That's amazing. You know what else is broken, Kelly? The world. Oh, okay. Well, I think you don't want to think about broken things. I think it just like keeps, I mean, that's what makes me think of like, we know so much about history now and we like to project a lot of time on Bob Dylan's 1989, but we know to look for those terrible things because we kind of know how a lot of them turn out. Mm -hmm. You know, you talk about the Middle East, you talk about Afghanistan, you talk about all this stuff. It's like, oh, I do know how that ends and that, that is bleak now, but at the time it probably wouldn't have seemed so bleak. And now... I think we're in the same spot where you're thinking about the world is being broken and you have it being pushed in your face 24-7 no matter what. It's not even just turning on a TV. It's your your phone. It's just people's moods, the way that it sort of feels like now. Where we're like hanging on by a thread as far as nuclear war could really be around the corner because of a tweet. Yeah, and like what is a tweet? 1989, Bob. Doesn't even know what a tweet is. You know, it's like not even a thing. And we don't know what, God, what would it be, 20... 37's tweet is you know what is 2037's world like oh man oof yeah I mean we, there's a lot of socioeconomic things that we can get into that are severely broken healthcare school oh yeah <laughs> well even today so it's the uh, you know the, Trump is they're trying to pass you know the tax bill ramming in Obamacare under it because yeah. they have no other option because you can just put that on a footnote apparently well that's <laughs> how it all works yeah because it's been do- happening like that for centuries now and 
nobody's actually serious about ever cleaning up anything. You know, you've got a million people like Donald Trump saying, oh, I'm going to change everything. It would be nice if someone actually fucking did instead of just saying it. He's not the only one who's pretended like he was going to be something that he's clearly not. He was the only one that telegraphed how fucking much of a liar he was. Uh, And we still voted for him, which says everything you need to know. Yeah. And so in this in this country today, it's rough. It's rough because you're dealing with all that stuff constantly. And I think you don't ever know where to look, you know, because there's never really an easy solution to anything. And I'm sure Bob Dylan, you know, and everything is broken. It feels the same way. Like all these little it's all the objects are broken, all the little things. It's like, how do you you got to fix your bed? You got to fix your I guess your spindles. I mean, what is he talking about? His broken lines, his strings, his springs. This dude's I mean, our lives are fucked in the future. Literally everything's broken. You know, there's no use jiving. There's no use joking. Everything's broken, Kelly. And today it's like, what's the silver bullet? How do you fix any of this? I don't know. I don't know. Part of me just wants to walk up when the mic comes to me and just say, tax the rich. (laughs) If you really hate the fact that the American government takes taxes out of your paycheck... Cool. You don't get to drive on roads anymore. Right. You don't get to call the police or the ambulance when you have trouble. You don't get access to clean public water. Mm. You don't get to have iPhones. You don't actually get anything. So. You don't get anything. Yeah. Because they can't get to you. And that's So fine. you have to be... So you get your no taxes and your nothing else also. And then you are not allowed to participate in the global economy. Yep. Yep. So that seems fair. Yeah, that's a trade. I mean, really, it gets those people off Twitter. That's probably the best part. <laughs> so I'm into that. Uh, and then we all get to buy some new bottles and plates. And I think for anybody out there in the world. <laughs> and strings. And buckles. <laughs> and then we can buy some new laws and some new bodies. And we can uh, really change the world. That's what I got from this week. So, Kelly, beyond this song that makes you think, what else were you doing this week? Yeah, I don't know. This week has been a fucking weird one. Yeah, I, I had so much homework this last weekend that I didn't really do anything. Yeah. Um, I started playing a not very good video game. Oh, man. It's video games. This is it. I know. This is the new thing. I know. Uh, Rise, which I think was free with my Xbox. God damn. It's is not it still actually that free? bad. Yeah. It's like, a, um, if you were playing the Batman yeah, Arkham, Arkham Asylum Island, things, yeah. it's the same Third similar person. combat system kind yeah. of thing. Where, like, so it's a fighting game? Oh, like game? Assassin's Creed. You know, like where they oh, throw yeah, a punch yeah. or whatever and you got to block it. And yeah. That kind of thing. It's kind of, I don't know. It's weird. Um, yeah, and you, I, what's the story? What are you doing? You're like a Brando Roman oh, it's a general. Rome. Oh, did I not say that part? It's I think it's called Rise. You didn't say that. <laughs> something Rome. You just called it Rise. Yeah, that would be misleading. That gives away no information. Zero. So that. So you're like a Roman thing. thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I listened to Midnight Midnight Marauders, um, like six times the in the last Beck week. album. No, uh, it's the That's Midnight Trap Call Quest. Oh, album God, from yeah. like, 93, I think. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're quite good. So I guess that would be it. Go listen to an album that's, like, almost 30 years old. That's fair. That's fair. Honey, check it out. You got me mesmerized. With your black hair and your fat thighs. Street poetry is my everyday. But yo, I gotta stop when you drop my weight. If I was working at the club, you would not pay. Hey, yo, my man Fife Diggy, he got something to say. I like them brown, yellow, Puerto Rican, and Haitian. Mm. Name is Fife Dog from the Zulu Nation. Told you in the jam that we could get down. Now let's knock the boots like the group H-Town. You got BBD all on your bedroom wall. But I'm above the rim and this is how I bore. A gritty little something on the New York street. This is how I represent over this here beat. 
talking about you? Yo, I took you out. But sex was on my mind for the whole damn route. My mind was in a frenzy in a horny state. But I couldn't drop dimes because you couldn't relate. You couldn't relate. You couldn't relate. I finished Grant. Ooh, tell what else did you learn? Uh, it was incredibly moving. Um, it was very beautiful. The end was uh, really crazy. I'll get to that in a second. But um, I've said this before, but I think that we talked about Confederate a long time ago on something I've tried to block out, but I'm not able to, our Game of Thrones uh, foray <laughs> uh, into three episodes a week. We, I, I was talking about how we sh- Confederate is so stupid. All this shit has been done before, and that it would be so great if people wrote things like what if reconstruction didn't go wrong what if what if we had actually stuck by our guns what if the north actually believed in racial equality what if the government actually backed up and kept troops down there to save black people from being slaughtered what if like justice attempted to prevail like what if we tried to suss that out what could a life what could the world look like with a little bit more justice people are still going to be terrible but what if we had systems in place of people in place that kept people safe kept things you know life continues Life's travails don't end, but you don't have to constantly be worried about being slaughtered everywhere you go because of the color of your skin. Or in my head, when I was when I was growing up, even in Virginia, even in the South, if you will, I just I always questioned like, why didn't the North just never leave the South? It's the same idea of denazification after the war. Like that would have taken. Uh, I think it was Eisenhower and them, the generals at the end were like, this is a fifty-year campaign, which is on. You couldn't do it. You would have to go house by house. And remove every Nazi symbol, find out how everybody interacted with the Nazis. Everybody was a Nazi. It's the same way everybody was a Confederate. You lived in the South, you were a Confederate. To root that out is like an impossible social experiment. But because you're not able to root it out, you have to deal with the effects of these people still. Like, even though they don't champion slavery today, nobody's saying, let's enslave everybody. The way that people talk today, I wouldn't be shocked in a couple of years to have somebody just outright probably just being like, yeah, the was the was the civil war about slavery? And they'll be like, yeah, it was. Maybe it wasn't such a bad idea. And that's like truly terrifying when you start to get to the level of a major politician saying something like that. You're pretty close with Trump. You're pretty fucking close to just somebody who doesn't know anything about history. I mean, granted, he knows nothing. So he's just saying things. But when you have somebody who is actually savvy, actually smart and says that because they believe it and then people buy it that's when we're fucked but that's what blew me away as a kid i was like how did the north win the civil war and then just let it all slip away like why is it like this because i mean i grew up after the civil rights movement so i grew up in a school full of people of color all around me like i didn't know that the world was even to 20 years before that was just a pile of garbage (laughs) you know it's still garbage of course but it's not as garbagey there's no doubt about that but yeah, it just got it got me thinking a lot about that. And really, I think the the biggest thing about Grant that I would say is like the last days are incredible. He wrote these memoirs, the memoirs of Ulysses S. Grant, which are one of the the next to Uncle Tom's Cabin were the biggest selling books of the of the age. Um, there are millions of people read these books back in the day. People they loved him. Like it's really hard. Like I think Chernow goes to really great lengths to try to like put it in modern ears. Like how much people admired grant like it's really hard to think about today but people would have like abraham lincoln and grant up in their house everywhere he's on the same level as george washington and and lincoln would come later but like you know you hear about the people with their kennedy you know Mm. pictures in their thing it was the same thing like people just absolutely revered uh ulysses s grant 
And then at the end of his life, they found out he was dying of cancer. And so there was this outpouring. And some people believe that if they didn't know that, because his presidency wasn't that great. It was kind of lackluster in, in the middle. And he wasn't that loved. You know, you kind of like let those things kind of go. And it was 20 years after the war. The, the country moved on. The country kept growing. It got way bigger because of what Grant did. But you don't, you know, how often do we think about people 20 years ago, you know, and sort of thank them for what they did to the country. And in the, his last days, he finished his memoirs five days before he died. Uh, and he basically just did that to keep himself alive. He had like tumors like on the side of his throat. And there's like this really great picture of him like writing in a, cause he would write like 25 to 50 pages a day. Oh. At the end of his life, yeah, and all from smoking cigars, no and yeah, even his wife at the end like didn't just didn't believe it. She was she was quite an act herself, but um, yeah, because they, they thought it was like beneficial to your health. They thought cigars were good; they calmed okay. you out, they made you whatever. But yeah, he he smoked that much, and I don't know. It was just really it was really moving just to get like all these people coming in, even Confederate soldiers coming to pay the respects to him. And then when he died, like two, it was, uh, I think Sherman and Sheridan were the people carrying him. And then two Confederates old um, generals as well. I think Longstreet and someone else were his pallbearer, you know, carrying his coffin. And I guess like New York city completely shut down days of mourning across the country. Like we would never do that today. Like I can't think of anybody alive who died, who would die that it would feel the same way as something like that. Like a King whole... of Thailand. Well, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but the King of Thailand, it, even if he's a nice guy, it's it's a forced system that makes you do that. I don't know. They're into it. Well, of course they are because they don't yeah. know anything different. That's sure. the thing. So when when General Grant, a guy selling firewood in St. Louis, is commanding a million men to win the war and preserve the United States of America, that's a baller move. Sorry, King of Thailand. I know you just inherited. You're dead now. So He did R. a lot R. for agriculture <laughs> <laughs> in Thailand. Oh. Anyway, so it was really, it was really, uh, really moving. The other thing that I did this week is I went to go see Propagandi. One right, day Kelly. we will talk about propaganda. One day we will. Okay. Otherwise, saw him live. It was fucking incredible. All right, Kelly, let's pick next week's song. So this will be episode 39. Is that, yay! I don't know. That's crazy. So you say a number, but I'm like, haven't we always? Haven't we Won't always? Won't we been? always? That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Which is a perfect cue to say that season one's coming to an end. So we're not actually always going to do this. Oh my gosh. So we're not going away forever. Sun in the window, nation. Goddamn it! But we are going to be taking a goddamn break <laughs> because when we started out with this, we didn't realize we would actually keep going. As I've said before, I thought we would do one episode and then it would be fun, and then we would just give up because I thought that's kind of what we do. I mean, that has been my mo my entire and life. and my mo as well. And so, because we didn't, 
I I was fascinated by it. And now we've done fucking 40 episodes. But you know what? I'm going to take, I think we're going to take December off. And we're going to come back at you in January. So 40 will be our last episode for the season. But we have lots of goodies to come. So please keep listening. Uh, we'll tell you more about that on episode 40, which will be I don't know, early December, I guess. Oh, aren't we also not going to be here next week? Shit. Yes. Okay. We actually won't. Be. That's right. It's Thanksgiving next week. We usually record on Thursdays. That's Full disclosure. Away. Full disclosure. Um, so, yeah, I guess not. Fuck. I was not planning for that. So we'll actually be airing a special episode. We, Sign on the Window, are going to the movies. Oh, man. Just like our very first supplemental, we are going to just do this nice little circle and end with a supplemental this year at the end of season one, how we started season one, with a movie. We're going to be watching Todd Haynes, 2007, I'm Not There, Bob Dylan. Not really a biopic. It's kind of a crazy, crazy movie. It's like a 10-year anniversary thing. Like a, yeah, it's, it actually came out in 2007, so it is it actually right about now in 2007 uh i think for most of us out there in the world we were well, if we were huge bob dylan fans we were certainly seeking it out i remember watching it in norfolk in 2007 so uh so stay tuned for that next week it'll be on a monday normal time but it will be a supplemental so we will still have two more episodes after that and then we will get to the rest of the year and then 2018 kelly holy shit wow can you believe it nope. i can't we are down to 496 12 you either go one or the other. It's like four. <laughs> All right. 284. Cool. 284. You said 12. Yeah. It's never going to be 12. You understand that. 12. One day it'll be 12. Is Make You Feel My Love off of uh, 1997's Time Out of Mind. You might know this from the Adele version of Make You Feel My Love. I feel like maybe. I, you, I've heard. I would guess you've heard of this. That song. she's covered it. Have I heard the song? I don't know. I think you will recognize it when you get to it. 280, which was not today. So 284. We're going to be going back to the basement tapes. We're going to be listening to Ye Heavy and a Bottle of Bread oh. uh, from the basement tapes. Uh, we're going to listen to one and two, uh, which are on the the Bootleg series version of it, but it's also on the 1975 official release of it. That's why we're doing that. I guess that behooves us. We did make a promise before that we would do a supplemental every time we got a, bo- a basement tape one because we have so many supplementals. But we're going to renege on that pretty much immediately. <laughs> we're going to save that for 2018 because we, we do owe actually two of them. Cool. So Because we, we did the Clothesline Saga as well. So we owe two basement tapes supplementals. So we will do those next year. <laughs> Stay tuned. But otherwise next week, crazy, ye heavy, and a bottle of bread. We might even listen to some of this on... I'm not there. Oh, really? You never know. Possibly. Huh. We shall see. Goodbye, Kelly. We're a real podcast. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter uh, at SOTW Pod. Right? That's us, right? Uh, Facebook, probably SOTW Pod. Tumblr, SOTW Tumblr, Pod. for sure. Tumblr, yeah. Gmail, SOTW Pod at gmail.com. I never say that. We yeah, also, you can always email us. Yeah, send us an old-fashioned long-form email. Yeah. But whenever you want to. Uh, our website is the best place to go. Is it just SOTWPod.com? Dot com. Well, that couldn't be easier. That couldn't be easier. How convenient you've made it. There's all kinds of stuff on there. Show yeah, notes, links to stuff. Really, it's just like a wealth of information, all Bob Dylan related, even and more specifically relevant to us. That's really. right. No one's paid you to say that. And that was great. No. I do what I can. Anyways, we will see you next week for I'm Not There. In between, listen to 
that song that we're listening to. Something in a bottle of bread. E heavy in a bottle we'll talk about of that bread. In two weeks. In two weeks. We'll see in two weeks. Tax the rich. Tax the rich. Comic book and me just as we caught the bus. Poor little chauffeur though she was back in bed. On the very next day with a nose full of blood. Yay, heavy in a bottle of bread.